Thank you for joining Bevel Talk, Season 5, Episode 5. Today we're talking about collaborative robots and the new advances in automation with special guest Dan Alford of ARC Specialties. Welcome to Bevel Talk. Today we're joined by Dan Alford with ARC Specialties. Dan, thanks for joining with us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So we want to talk about today how to align the welding industry with market needs and trends. What are some market needs and trends that you're seeing in industry and what can we do or what are you doing to help with that? Well, you know, we're down here in Houston in the oil field and uh, this is a very cyclical industry and that's made the, uh, the graying of our labor pool all that more challenging for us because uh, with the cyclical nature, people are laid off and sometimes they don't come back. So we're, we're facing some labor shortages here in the petroleum industry. And then the way we're reacting to that is uh, with new technology. We're, we're applying collaborative robots, additive manufacturing, and even artificial intelligence to pipe welding to try to compensate for these problems in my industry. So let's talk a little bit more about the collaborative robots. What, explain for our um, listeners what those are and how they're impacting the industry. A uh, collaborative robot, to me, the biggest difference is it can work in the proximity of human beings and, and do so safely. So it has sensors so that if it hits a human, uh, no one's injured. And that, that seems like a minor advantage, but actually it's huge because now robots can work right alongside people without all the guarding. And at the same time, the collaborative robot industry is trying to refine the programming process to make robots easier to program and easier to use. I think that's been one of the challenges in industry for a long time is robots are really good at doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. But it's difficult to get them programmed. It's difficult to get material fit up to be close enough to work in welding without some changes upstream and then causing changes downstream. But being able to adapt and change and work closely with, with humans in, in proximity is amazing. Well, you're absolutely correct. You know, when I was in school in the 70s, uh, I, I remember one of the profs telling us that if you're doing a whole lot of something, you build a dedicated optimized machine. If you're doing a mix of parts, you use a robot. And if you're doing small batches, you use a human being. And we're trying to blur the lines there. And, and so what we're trying to do is make the robots so effective that you can have lot sizes of one and and still justify the programming. An extreme case of this is our pipe welding robot. We're running the Miller RMD power supply, which is just an amazing process for welding open roots in pipe. However, uh, you need to be able to detect the root conditions like the gap, the root opening uh, and such, and then compensate for this root opening with, by changing the RMD parameters as well as the motion parameters. So we've got a system now for welding pipe that you don't program at all. So how are you accomplishing that? If, if you can share that with us, what, what's the process? Well, the, the, the first step is using a collaborative robot. And this is, like I said, the great application for a collaborative robot because the human's going to be in proximity of this. So it's better to have a robot that won't hurt you. And so a collaborative robot picks up the uh, two-dimensional laser scanner and then goes and scans the well joint all the way around. So we have to have a, uh, a servo headstock to rotate the part. So it's mapping the whole joint. What it's looking for is tacks, high-low, joint gap, everything, okay? which is just what a human being would do. 
And then we write a huge program. So we have programs that are writing programs. Uh, we're calling it the artificial intelligence pipe welder. So we take all this data and then we take the knowledge of four of us. We got four guys here that were uh, certified pipe welders. And we've tried to put all of our knowledge into this robot. Based upon this data, then we react to the gap width, the position of the tacks, everything. And then the robot will start on the largest tack, just like a human would, and then work its way around the pipe. Any place that sees a wide gap, it slows down travel speed, increases oscillation width, and bridges the gap. When it has a tight joint, speeds up, eliminates oscillation, and we're able to get a, a good root weld all the way 360 degrees around. That's just amazing, the the process that goes into making that work. It seems like a simple process when, when we do it as, as humans. We pick up a, a, a MIG gun and we, we go to town and we weld it. But we do do those calculations and make those adjustments with our with our body, you know, hundreds of times a second or as fast as we need to to adapt. But being able to transfer that into a, a, a robot that it'll actually identify and adapt is just fantastic. I think you hit it on the head. Uh, the, the technicians and engineers that I have to have on staff are the guys that not only can do the welding, but realize what they're doing. They're cognizant that they're changing uh, joint angle and such. One of my technicians had a really clever comment the other day. He said, hey, Dan, uh, instead of just a, uh, a sinusoidal oper uh, oscillation, why don't we walk the cup? And as soon as he said it, I said, this is brilliant. You know, uh, so a TIG welder will walk the cup. And by that, he actually leaves the cup of the torch in the groove and then walks it left and right. And the robot doesn't need to support the cup in the groove like that because it, it has a very steady hand. But what it does benefit from on walking the cup is pointing into the walls. So it points into the left wall on oscillation of the left and it points into the right wall. So I just thought it was brilliant of my guy to say, hey, why don't we walk the cup? And as soon as he did, we improved the sidewall fusion and the uh, whole process got better. Oh, that's amazing. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned additive manufacturing and you know, I'm of the opinion that welding was the first additive manufacturing that we have, right? Indeed. Uh, we're the guys that uh, were building something up rather than machining something down all the way, you know, back to the beginnings. So it, it makes perfect sense that you would use welding as an additive process. And we have been. Don't walk. Weld. Every walk to the power source wastes time. Give welders the power to switch between TIG and stick processes at the weld joint with XMT350 Field Pro with Polarity Reversing System. See how at MillerWelds.com slash ArcReach. So what have you been doing with additive manufacturing and, and how is that working for you guys? Uh, i got to go back to the very beginning. I, I get a call from some folks that were uh, uh, working with uh, the military. And they said, hey, every 40 years, there's been a revolution in gun barrel making technology. And I said, your point is, and they said, well, it's been 40 years. And I said, well, you know, that's not how technology works. But I said, however, I do have an idea. And uh, so we went out into our laboratory and uh, using a plasma torch powder feed, uh, we made a, uh, a cylinder using additive manufacturing. This was like 15 years ago. And this cylinder uh you know, would simulate a gun barrel. And it was only a few inches long. We, we sent it off to them and uh, they were so impressed they bought a machine. So that was our first additive application was with plasma. And since then, we've also done some TIG work and some gas metal arc work with additive. 
I'm almost speechless because of how fantastic and just how cool the technology that you guys are working on that being able to do things that humans can do, but with the precision that humans can't do. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if you should be all that impressed because in, in reality, it's just welding and motion control applied to a different problem, and uh, and that's something I I push with my guys is they got to keep their eyes open. Uh, you got to think outside of the box, figure out how you can apply what you know to problems that you've never seen before. So I think part of what is so amazing to me is is from being familiar with some of your equipment and some of the things that you've done is the simplicity at which programming and setting up your equipment actually, how simple it is. Well, that's our goal. Uh, the biggest problem with robots today is the teach pendant. Uh, they, they really still are not user-friendly. And so we've got several approaches because there is no one solution to anything. One of our favorite approaches is parametric programming. So if you have a family of parts that have some similarities, what we'll do is prompt you for these critical dimensions. And then we have software, which either called parametric programming or a wizard or a macro. I don't care what you call it. That's what generates the part program. And even if that sounds radical, it's not. Uh, what you'll find is every CNC machine that's running today is running off a CAD CAM system with a post processor. We have software writing software in every machine shop. So why shouldn't we do it in the well shop? I mean, it makes sense to me hearing it that way. Another thing I want to talk to you about is the state of the industry. How have you seen um, some of the tariffs affecting industry or what are other trends that are making it more difficult to be a fabrication shop or a pipe welding shop? Well, I need to warn you up front. I'm an unrepentant free market capitalist. Uh, I don't fear competition. I crave it. I can beat the competition, but I can't beat the tariff. For example, in uh, Brazil, I sell a lot of machines down there, but there's a 40% minimum tariff to bring stuff in. I actually called the Brazilian embassy and said, hey, you know, what's going on here? I'm going to put machines in Brazil that put people to work. And they go, yeah, it's a problem. I said, can we fix it? No, we can't. And so this is very frustrating to me. I think everyone in the world deserves to have a job to provide for their families. And anything that distorts that free market, such as tariffs and subsidies, I don't approve of them. Has it made it more difficult for businesses around you to be competitive? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, imagine trying to sell into a market where the cost of your machine is uh, bumped up by 40% to the end user. You know, it's, I'd like to think our margins were big, but they're, you know, the, the government in Brazil is make more money on my machine than I do. Uh, you know, how can that be right? Right. So, how are these companies adapting? Is there anything that they're doing right now or are they just holding on? Uh, you know, adapt and overcome. We, uh, we just moved to wherever people are buying. For example, uh, you know, with the Chinese tariffs, the uh, tendency has been for manufacturing to move to India because there are fewer tariffs uh, placed on Indian goods. Well, guess what? I've got a lot of machines in India too. So uh, it's frustrating, but, you know, there are workarounds, so we'll just put more machines in India. Okay. Tricky question here for you. I want you to predict the future. 10 to 15 years down the road, what does a pipe shop look like? Well, 
if you go back to 1979, I went to work and uh, I remember my boss and he's a PhD, pretty bright guy. He told me that uh, in 10 years, stick welding would be obsolete. Well, that didn't quite work out and I did it. You know, we're still stick welding. So my prediction is uh, some pipe shops will look just like they do now. But in a competitive market, the pipe shops that apply automation and reduce cost are going to do better. And so I think that initially all the uh, 1G rollout wells will be automated. And then the next step after that will be the 5G wells. So 15 years, I'd like to think at least 30% of the pipe wells in a spool shop will be uh, automated. So how would you respond if there was a welder or someone that says, that's great, but what about me? What about my job? I'll tell them the story about uh, the very first robot I put in in Connecticut. It was in a union shop, and I was just a young engineer and trying my best and got the machine running the very first day. I was all proud of myself. Went home or went back to the hotel that night, came back next morning, turned it on, it wouldn't run. Someone had slashed the circuit boards. Very frustrating for me. You know, I, I get new boards in and, and I get it working. But in the end, it was sabotage. And that company uh, ultimately went bankrupt. So all those jobs are gone. So here's what I'd tell the welder. I say, if you want to make 10 times what the welder does in China or India, you need to be 10 times as efficient. That's because we're in a global economy. And so there's just no way around that. If you will allow me to, I will give you the tools to be 10 times as efficient as that Chinese welder. And that will be in the form of automation and robotics. Okay. Now, I'm I'm of the strong opinion, personally, that automation will continue to proliferate the manufacturing and the pipe welding world. And as it does, we'll find more and more spaces for people to to be involved in welding, to be part of welding, to adapt, you know, with these cobots or these collaborative robots to be able to make our jobs easier, the more difficult and strenuous parts of what welders do will become simpler and easier. But that's not saying that it's going to take away from the brain power and the need to have experience and understanding and knowledge as a welder to be able to accomplish these jobs. Well, I'm a student of history. And if you go back to 1900, over 50% of the U.S. citizens worked on farms. Fast forward to today, less than 2% do. And that's due to automation. There's no difference between a tractor and a robot or a washing machine or anything else that's a labor-saving device. We have eliminated a huge number of farm jobs, but we freed up a huge number of people to do more productive jobs. I have yet to hear anybody say, oh, I wish I was walking behind the mule plowing a field. Automation benefits mankind. I would tend to agree with that. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to Bevel Talk. If you're interested in more, learning more about ARC specialties, check out the link in the show notes.